0: in my heart, and I pray you do too, man, that God's got, he's got a lot going on, man, and he's, he's got plans for us. We need to know that. Our, our heart needs to be stirred and realize that in these days that are challenging, in these days of uncertainty, we can hold solid to the rock of Jesus, man, knowing that he's got plans. He's not surprised. He's not worried. As we roll into 2021, if we'll be honest, there's a little bit of anxiety around a new year going, man, is this going to get worse? What's going to happen now? I mean, we had a, a pandemic. What now? And there's there can be some trepidation, some fear. Or maybe you're one that looks at 2021 and goes, man, this is going to be great. No matter what, it's going to be great. And I promise you that no matter what the year holds, God will sustain us. He'll be faithful He'll bring us through, all right? And so we're going to talk about prayer. We're starting this series, uh, three-week series, talking about prayer through our prayer and fasting season. And I want to encourage you to be a person of prayer. Find a way to pray, all right? Let's pray now as we open this. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name to lead us. God, we ask you to stir our hearts. God, let us be moved to action, God, that we would want to be different, God, that we would chase you for more. God, that we would pursue you for more. We know, God, that you are sovereign, that we can trust you, that your will is perfect, and that your love leads us. We know, God, that you are good, and we come after you today. I pray corporately as a church, God, that we would just collectively go after you, God, that we would find ways to pursue you in ways perhaps we've never done it before. God, that we would get so focused and so intentional about how we chase you, God, how we long for you, God, how we pursue you, that we would find you in a new light, in a new way. God, you're faithful. Meet with us today. Accomplish your will in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about prayer, and I'll tell you, that idea of first roots, I feel like there's no better way in the world for us to start the beginning of the year but to say, look, we're giving ourselves to God in fasting and prayer, man. We're going to pursue Him. We're going to go after Him. We're going to give Him our best because we want what God wants for us. And here's the deal. Some of us know some areas of our lives that we need to work on. So we, we, you know, if we were to ask you, then, then maybe you'd say, it's this thing. It's that thing. I've got this, this thing in my life I need to give God, and I'm struggling to do it. You know, I've got this area of my life that I need to trust God with, and I'm struggling to do it. Or maybe you have no idea. Maybe you just have no idea what God has in store for you, what God wants to do for you in this coming year. You got no clue in the world, but you know this. You want to be closer to him. And I invite you to just come after God, regardless of where you are on that on that pendulum, on that 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 meter, that scale, what have you. To just come after God and say, look, no matter what twenty twenty one holds, I want to be close enough to God that I, that I that I make it. Not only that I make it, but that I thrive, that I grow. This is a year I look back on, and regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the particulars, I can look back at twenty twenty one and go, man, that was a good year. Doesn't mean everything in it was good. Doesn't mean we want to repeat. It, but it was a good year. We grew in that year. We 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 learned God more. We we, we moved forward and we advanced in our relationship with the Lord. And God wants that. Uh, uh, you know, as Pastor John mentioned last week, the quote from uh, Spurgeon. Didn't y'all enjoy? Pastor John last week did a good job, didn't he? Thank you, brother. And uh, but he mentioned the quote from uh, from Charles Spurgeon, and he said, "Look, what's most important: reading the Bible or praying." And and he responded and said, "Well, let me ask you: what's more important: breathing in or breathing out? You you can't do one without the other. It's a package deal. And so as we're reading through the Bible, the, the, we we need to be praying. Unless we're praying, we're we're just reading it like we're reading any other book. And the Bible's not any other book. And uh, in this journey, we're on is not just a spiritual enlightenment. This is relationship with our creator and our God. And so we need to approach it as such, giving him our best and our first. This principle of first fruits, giving him my best, and he gets is first, right? And, uh, you know, even as we approach our giving, even as we approach our time, time is a big deal as we think about fasting and praying and making time and priority for prayer. Many times we think, well, I don't, I don't have the time. Or or as the day goes on, we lose track of time. Or, or you know, we, we get to, to where it's late in the day and we haven't spent time in prayer and we're tired and we don't have the time and and where we get around that is we give God the first fruit. We say, look, before I spend any time, before I spend any money, before I take any of mine or any, any, give anything to anybody else, God, you get yours. You get yours, man, in my, my finances. Before I pay bills, before I give anybody anything, God, you get yours. And then I deal with whatever's left, you know, before I give any time, energy, focus to anything, God, you get my time and my focus. And then everything else happens after that. And so we've got to we've got to focus ourselves. We've got to give God our best. And there's no more fitting way uh, than for us to commit ourselves to prayer. There's a familiar passage of scripture, but I want to go to it today because I feel like there's a couple of principles here that will help us as we begin this, this series together. And uh, that passage you've heard it a lot, especially in this season. But I want to look at it again today. And it's Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen, and it says this: If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. We've heard that used over and over, and that's fine. It's not. It's not wrong. It's not bad. The only thing I would say that that I'm a little bit cautious about is when we. You guys know how it is. When we hear something uh, one time that, that, that's significant, it's like, man, that's good. You know, and then you hear it a second time, you're like, yeah, it's still pretty good. And you hear it a third, fourth, you hear it a lot, and you're like, yeah, that's all right. And it never changed. We just lose the impact of it, right? And so I don't, want it, I don't want this scripture to become something that's so commonplace to us that we lose, you know, the impact of it. But, but I do feel like it's significant uh, when we consider prayer. And we consider what the Lord's doing in our lives today. And so uh, there's a couple things in this passage. And the first thing I want to look at is this. When we pray, we change. When we pray, we change. All right. And uh, and so the idea is this. The idea is uh, in 2 Chronicles 714. Again, it says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. He says, if we will pray, humble ourselves, seek our face and repent, he'll hear from heaven. So in prayer, God desires, we change. There's a process that we walk into in relationship with God. You want to know this, everybody in this room, hopefully realizes this and hopefully has experienced this and hopefully is currently walking this out. You need to know Jesus didn't go to the cross to just get you to heaven. That wasn't all it was. Now, that was a significant piece of it, but that wasn't the totality of it. Ultimately, he went to the cross to get us to heaven, but to begin relationship with us so that we would change to become like Christ, so he could work righteousness and holiness into our lives to change us. So people would see him in us. So they would want relationship with God because of the life we live. There's a quote I found that says this says, Prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. In prayer, we change. Because we learn the heart of God, we begin to to experience him. Here's the deal. Even the mere fact of praying, it says, Look, I'm in need, and you're my need meter. You're the one who is sufficient. You're sovereign. You're, you're my source. I am in need, and I'm going to my source. Even the act of praying says, God, I acknowledge you as being God. I acknowledge my need. I'm beneath you. I need to reach out to you. And so the act of praying is us changing, is us you know, humbling ourselves and, and realizing our need and realizing our insufficiency and realizing his sovereignty. And so we pray, and prayer changes us. It says, look. No, you don't have the answer. No, I don't have the answer. No, we don't know what to do, but that's okay because we know who does. And so when we pray, we change. Romans 8 28 and 29, you're familiar with this passage, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those that love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Listen, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be, listen, to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. To be conformed, that's the mission of God. God is working in you to make you and me look like Jesus. Because the world doesn't need me. The world doesn't need you. The world needs Jesus. Jesus. And so the closer reflection that, that we can be of him, the better off we are, the better off the world is, and that's the mission of God. Now, here's the deal. It's not like you and I are, are, are terrible individuals. There's some personalities and some giftings and all that. God doesn't want to just void all of that and, and just create these carbon copies or whatever. But, but there's a Christ-likeness, a righteousness, a holiness that he wants to, 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 to infuse in our lives through his Holy Spirit that we would exhibit and exude the love and the goodness of Christ inside of the personality and the giftings and all the uniqueness that is you. But but he wants us to, to, to show the world Jesus and that's the change that happens when we're praying. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18 says it like this. Now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to to glory it says this that each encounter we have with God and we experience His presence and His glory, each encounter we have with God changes us, changes us. Now you might would harden your heart and be disobedient or we we've all done that from time to time and we just don't want to go where God's leading us, we don't want to do what God's leading us to do, we don't want to surrender what God's leading us. We we've done that. We we know what that's like. But here's the deal. Every time we encounter God, we're changed. Period. Change for the good, change for the bad. Well, we are changed. Whether our, our flesh riles up in that and we become hard hearted and we become rebellious, that's a change. It's a wrong change. It's a change. Or we surrender to the hand of the Lord, the leading of the Lord, and we become more and more Christ like. That's a change. Every time we encounter God, we change. Every time. Where we've got to be so careful in modern day America that has, you know, access to, to myriads of, of preachers and myriads of versions of the Bible and, 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 you know, you name it. Christian everything, church everything, access to so much. Where we got to be careful is that we can, we can become so inundated with the truth of the Word of God and the truth of God that, that it loses its impact. Scripture talks about, and Timothy talks about having a form of godliness but denying its power, meaning that we can look the part and not have the heart. And that's a fact. You know it and I know it because you've done it and so have I. Where we've been walking out, saying the right things, doing the right things, all of, you know, avoiding the wrong things and the, the public persona's been right. But we know behind the scenes things ain't right. And so we are changed from glory to glory. Every time we encounter the presence of God, it changes us. Ephesians 2.10 says it like this. Steal some thunder from Pastor John again. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God uh, prepared in advance for us to do. We're his handiwork. Here's the deal. Each of us that are children of God, that are in relationship with God, that have given our hearts and our lives to Christ and live for him, every one of us, we're being worked on. You know, Scripture talks about being a potter in the clay, that relationship, that we're his handiwork, that that he is working to shape and to make us into a masterpiece. Some translations talk about that we're the masterpiece of God. He's he's working on us to make us what it is that he envisions us being, into the image of Christ. And so he's he's shaping us and molding us and, and changing who we are to who we're supposed to be. We're his handiwork. We're his masterpiece in some scenarios. Philippians 1.6 says it like this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, God's not only faithful to save, he's faithful to keep us. If we, we stay on track with him, man, we stay in his will and we stay pursuing him, he's sufficient. He'll complete the work that he started in you. You won't, you can't, I can't. I can't fix me. I can't make me godly. I can't earn it. I can't achieve it. I can't create it. I can't make myself more godly. I can only surrender and be obedient. God does that stuff in us. And scripture reminds us that he'll complete the work. He'll complete the work if we surrender to him and walk in step with him and stay humble and obedient before him, that he will He'll complete the work in us. So when we pray, we change. And man, we need to change. We need to change. Each one of us needs the changing hand of the Lord in our lives, or else we fall into what Timothy said, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And he says in that verse, he says, have nothing to do with them. We can't become a shell of what we're supposed to be. We've got to be the real deal. Second point is when others, or when we pray, others change. When we pray we change but when we pray others change. Listen to this. Again, same verse, 2nd Chronicles 7:14. It says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and it goes on and says and I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Now, he's not talking about, you know, he's going to make the grass grow. Although, if you want to pray for that, pray for that. I mean, maybe God's in that business. I don't know. Uh, But but God is very much in the people business. So as we talk about healing our land, we're talking about the people that comprise our area, healing our territory and the, the lives that impact our lives that we're around and that we see and that we affect. And so he's saying, look, I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. I will heal the people. I'll bring restoration and wholeness and health and help to their people and we want that in our area in harford county in maryland this area edgewood proper we want god to show up in a profound way that's the reason that in 1947 a young evangelist planted a church down the road that ends up being this one because god knew that in 2021 edgewood needed us not me not you but he needs us to show them jesus man we've got to do this that's why this thing happens And so as we consider that, when we pray, we change. But beyond that, when we pray, others change. Hudson Taylor, a great missionary to China, says this. It is possible to move men through prayer and by prayer alone. It's possible to move men through God by prayer alone. Our greatest tool to change not only our lives, but the lives of those around us. Our greatest tool is not things we can conjure up, plans we can develop. It's not arguments we can think of. It's not trying to think, you know, uh, strategically. Or, it's not any of that. Our greatest tool in changing the hearts and lives of others is prayer. Period. God will do more in response to prayer than what you and I on our best day can accomplish. He'll do more. And so we pray. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Prayer is a weapon. It's not a weapon to be beating people up with. Man, if you're praying and beating people up, you're wasting your breath and and you're showing your spiritual maturity in terrible ways. But prayer is a weapon to fight back the, the forces of evil and advance the kingdom of God, and it's Powerful. Powerful. You think about this, you think about all the might that we can muster in our own strength and, and even in the, in the whole world, every, every man, woman, and child that we could, we could muster this incredible show and protest of power and whatever, you just, whatever. And it's so small in comparison to what God will do in response to prayer. I often, and this is a little bit of a soapbox, but I gotta put this in here, here's the deal. I often get very upset with Christians who jump on a boycott or a protest or a, you know, whatever. I mean, there's, a, there's a time and place for that. I'm not saying it's all bad and all wrong, but here's the deal. I think there are a lot of Christians that are boycotting this thing and that thing and this company and the other company and whatever that didn't spend any time in prayer about that at all. We're quick to jump on some cause yeah, change the save the whales or do the change the whatever, or fix the whoever. Or these are bad or these are good, and blah blah blah. And we're getting the join the cause. But our greatest weapon is not that. Our greatest weapon is prayer. And did you spend any time praying about that at all? Did you pray for those folks? Not pray like beat them up, like God, you know, dash their teeth on the rocks and stuff. Not anything like but But God, like, Reach them. Soften their hearts. Help them to know their need for you. Save them, God. Did we pray for them? What if Christians would stop protesting and start praying? What would happen then? James 5, 15 and 16 says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, their sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Corey Tenboom says "Is prayer, your steering wheel or your spare tire. How many times do we treat prayer like that's our last resort? I already did this, that, and the other thing and talked to these people the, and, and, and watched these internet videos and, and, and consulted my you know, 50,000 Facebook imaginary friends and I already did. I checked with, and so God, you got anything? Is it your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? Prayer's effective. It's powerful. It's not a last resort. When we pray, we change. When we pray, others change. We've got to be people of prayer. And here's the deal, not people who pray, but people of prayer. People who pray. If I say, man, let's be people who pray, then we go, well, man, I pray before I eat, I pray. You know, I pray like, Lord, thank you for this burger. Help it not make me fat or something. And then then we pray like, you know, Lord, now lay me down to sleep pray the Lord. I don't even know how that goes. Anyway, we, we do, you know, we got a couple of prayers. We prayed a couple of times. We checked the, no man, be people of prayer. People that, that, that talk to God, converse with God through our day, that we give time to him and he gets our first fruits that we give him our best and our first. And that through our day, we're in conversation, pray without ceasing means it. I don't even have my phone, but we'll imagine this is my phone. This is a, uh, remote control, but y'all just bear with me. All right. This is, this is the one little lie I'm going to give you today is pretending this is my telephone. Um, so, but, but the idea is that you're on the phone with God and you just never hang up. He's just there all the time, you know, and uh, you got a minute now and Lord, thank you for, and Lord, this is so good. I'm so grateful for, and God give me courage, encourage me, help me to be a blessing. And you just start that conversation and it doesn't stop. Let's not be people that pray. People that pray might pray once or twice for a minute or two. Let's be people of prayer in relationship and conversation with God. Weave through our day, constant, where he can interrupt, he can interject whenever he wants. So when we pray, we change. When we pray, others change. We gotta be people of prayer. As we consider fasting, Fasting is an invitation to go deeper. Fasting is an invitation to go deeper. It's an opportunity. It's an invitation that God gives us. You need to know this. Fasting isn't commanded. In other words, if you've never fasted or if you never fast, you're not somehow sinful. You're not. But it's an invitation to go deeper. It's an invitation to a new experience, to experiencing the the deeper things of God. Matthew 6, 16 through 18 says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others their their fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put on oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He says this. He says First off, he says, when you fast. So there's an assumption that we're going to. Because a few verses prior, if you look at Matthew chapter 6, a few verses prior, we'll have the Lord's Prayer. And he says, when you pray. And if you look down a paragraph or two later, it says, when you fast. So there's an assumption we're going to fast. And then he says, look, don't go around telling everybody. And, you know, here's the deal. We're doing this corporately. So it's okay for us to have some conversation around it, encourage each other around it, pray for each other. It's okay. Um, But what we ought not do either either here or anywhere else is be like, man, I'm fasting and I'm so hungry and I'm struggling and I just, oh, just so bad. I mean, I'm fasting, but man, I am just suffering through it. Isn't that godly in me? Because he says this, he says, look, you've, resor- res- you've received your reward in full. If that's what you're doing, and you're, oh, I'm so this, I'm this so terrible, and I'm just suffering, then, then the, whatever applause or whatever, oh, that's so valiant, or that's so brave, or I'm so proud of you, or whatever. there's your reward, enjoy it. He says, look, it's, it's, it's something you do, and it's between you and God. And you go on with life and do your thing. And you trust the Lord. So it's an invitation to go deeper. You see, fasting isn't a command, but it's an invitation for us to go deeper. Isaiah 58 has a lot to say around this idea of fasting in verses 3 through 9 says, why have you fasted? This is a, basically uh, Isaiah is talking to the, to the children of Israel. They were on this fast, and this is a rebellious period in, in Israel's history. And he's speaking to them about, what are you doing? You're doing it all wrong. So here, here's what he says. Why have, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed? Verse four goes on to say, or I'm sorry, the second part. Uh, yet on, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Verse four goes on to say, uh, your fasting ends in quarrels and strife and is striking each other. With wicked fists. you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed, for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? And so stop there a second, Liz. And so the idea is this. They're fasting and they're going, look, we need food. And we're, we're, we're fasting and we're, we're counting on God to come through and to do its thing. God, we're fasting. Don't you see? Don't you see me down here fasting? And God, I'm counting on you to do what you do. I'm doing what I'm doing. You got to do what you're doing. And God says, look, man, you got it. You got it backwards. He goes on in the next verse. He says this. He says, is not this the kind of fast I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide for the poor wanderer and to shelter uh, where you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn them away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And then he wraps it up and says, then you will call and the Lord will answer you will cry for help and he'll say, Here am I. He says this. He shows us in this verse that God will not be manipulated. He's not gonna be manipulated. Friends, you can fast and not change anything about the way you're living your life, and that's, a, that's not a fast. In, in God's book, that's not it. That might be a diet plan or it might be abstaining from food, but that is not a fast. A fast is, God, I'm abstaining from food. I'm abstaining from this thing, this activity. I'm abstaining. And God, I'm giving myself more to you. I'm going to be more obedient, more attentive, pray more, focus on. I'm going to give you more of myself in place of something that is not bad. Food is necessary. But God, I'm taking from what is necessary to give you more. So God will not be. He'll not be manip- manipulated. We can't earn anything from God. In fasting, we can't think, I'm going to fast because this is going to earn me the answer to my prayer. This is going to earn me something, you know, better. Get me better blessings or better results or get God's, you know, better... Fr- I'm not, I'm not going to earn it in my fast. We don't earn anything in our fast. We can't force the hand of God in our fast. And God will not ever be manipulated by us. We will never be able to, because any, of anything that we will ever do, fast included, be able to go, God, I am doing this, so you had better do that. Because then, in that moment, you switch places and you're playing God, and that's not the way that works. But he invites us to a place where we go deeper. We give him more. We honor him more. We're more sincere. We're more in tuned. That's what a fast is about. Matthew 4, 4 says this. Jesus answered, it is written, but man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in a fast, we're declaring that. We're putting legs on that and saying, look, I, I-, I need food. You're, you're going to need food. It's not like we're going, you know, no more food. You know, good luck with that. Um, but but we're-, we're just taking a season and going, look, I'm going gonna- I'm to just... I'm going to do food differently to give myself to God, because I'm showing myself, reminding myself, walking this out in the spirit realm and in the physical world that uh, that I don't live by bread alone. There's more to my life than just this world. There's more to my life than what I can see and what I can eat and what I can. There's more to me than that, and I'm choosing to uh, to boost my spiritual life, even neglecting my physical necessity. I, I'm going to I'm going to do that, counting on God to show up in a great way. However, he wants to. And so it's a beautiful opportunity for us to do that. Matthew 9 14 and 15 says this. Then John's disciples asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast so often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, uh, uh, um, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and they will fast. He's saying, look, uh, when I leave, Jesus says, look, when I leave, then's the time. Then you fast. Then you pursue me like that. Then you, uh, you give me your best like that. Then you come close to me that way. You see, fasting increases our humility, our dependence on God. Fasting gets us ready for God's answer, God's response, God's leading. It tunes us in. We've got less distraction less issues standing in the way, and we're more tuned in to the leading of the Lord. Even with the humility of our heart, maybe there's some barriers and some walls that are let down for us to accept things and hear things, and to know no direction that perhaps we would have never paid attention to before. And so he invites us to be people of prayer. When we pray, we change, others change, and he says, look, even be people of fasting, because when you fast, you get close to me. You still your heart, you focus, you Push out distraction, and you're more in tune with the leading of the Lord. And he calls us deeper. He calls us deeper. Let me pray with you today. Father, you're faithful. You're so good to us, Lord. Lord, we need your help even as we consider moving forward and even as we're giving ourselves in prayer and fasting. We pray, God, you'd meet us in a powerful way. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to endeavor to fast and pray. I'm going to find a way. Now, I realize there are some that have medical issues and things like that. Find a safe way to do it. If you can't do food, do something else. But if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to endeavor to fast and pray over this 21-day period. I'm going to find a way to do it. I'm going to pursue God. If that's you, I just ask you to just slip a hand up. Say, yeah, man, I'm on the journey. I'm going to do this. We're going to be praying. We're going to be counting on God. Thank you for your hands. Thank you for your hands. Father, we ask you for your help. We ask you for your strength. We pray in Jesus' name that as we give you our first, as we give you our best, God, that you would open up our hearts in new ways, God, that you would allow us to purge ourselves of the things that are not like you, that we could truly be changed, that we could reflect you in a more accurate way, God, in a way that honors you more and more. Father, we pray in Jesus' name as we give ourselves to this fast, God, that you would do a deep work in each one of our hearts. We ask you to do a deep work in the, in the lives of those around us, God, that, that our family members and our friends, our coworkers, God, our neighbors, even folks that are strangers in our community, God, that there would be opportunity for their lives to be impacted too. Father, that you would move in us and through us in a way that's powerful for your glory. God, we ask you that this season of fasting would be all that you would want it to be. We need you and we thank you. Meet with us in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. A few things I want to invite you to do over this season. I want to invite you to get a fasting guide so they're at the at the tables or you can get them online all right uh write out your fasting plan so find a find a place to write it out because i promise you you get a few days in or you know a weekend whatever and there's going to be yeah eh, i mean is that really important should we what sh- okay, you know is it really that what you know you you'll find some wiggle room just letting you know Uh, So write it down. That's a good thing to do. Uh, And then uh, ask God for some prayer focuses. I I would say this in regards to this week, I would ask you to make one of your prayer focuses, just personal examination. God purge me, search my heart, you know, and maybe there's a a place for repentance. And I'm sure there is in, in all of our lives to say, Lord, forgive me, get that out of me, help me to do that better, surrender and repentance. And so uh, make that a a deal. Uh, Take extra time to pray. If you're not praying, then you're wasting your time and you're on a diet, all right? And so let, let's make sure and spend extra time in prayer. Uh, some other, th- other things, spend less time on television, internet, media, you know, take some time away from that stuff. So your influences, your main influences are, are, are God, his word and prayer, that that's where you're getting, you, you know, you're, you're, you're feeding from that and you're not getting the noise of society. So, so, so push away from that a little bit and uh, encourage you to do that. Um, try, to, try to have a more regular schedule. Go to bed a little earlier, perhaps, than what you normally would. Uh, if, you're, if you're fasting food, then you'll notice after a few days, your, your energy level will be impacted, and going to bed a little earlier is going to be a plus. All right? You, you want to do that. And uh, also adjust your schedule to give, uh, you know, a lot more time for prayer, most important. All right. All right.